Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Today, I want to talk a little bit about your most important financial number. I wrote a blog post about this uh, just a few years ago um, in which I referred to your most important financial number, and I went on to um, label it what I call to, uh, what I refer to as MDI. Um, which stands for monthly discretionary income. Um, but let me take a step back and explain a little bit about what I'm talking about here. Uh, I regularly encounter people um, that are interested in talking about financial planning and talking about uh, retirement and thinking about what life's going to look like in retirement. And one of the questions that uh, ultimately, that I ask everyone, uh, it's not one of the first questions, but but ultimately a question that I ask everyone is how much is, uh, how much does your lifestyle cost you? Uh, what does it cost to, um, for you to live in an average month? And and that should be all inclusive. That should be uh, cost of insurance and healthcare and putting gas in the car and food on the table and paying for housing and utilities and clothes, travel, doing things for uh, yourself, your family, your children, whatever is relevant to your situation, it's important to have a handle on what your lifestyle costs. And that's why I often refer to what I do as lifestyle financial planning, because ultimately we need to uh, be able to figure out a way to support uh, or continue to support your lifestyle. And when I ask people that question, I, I often get uh, an answer um, where people where people tend to talk in generalities. Uh, oh, I spend about six thousand dollars a month, or I think it's about eight thousand dollars a month, or yeah, I'm pretty sure it's fifteen thousand dollars a month. The, the the amount here is not important. It's it's the it's it's the element of how vague people seem to be around this number, and it's an important number. And I'm going to talk a little bit more here in a moment about why that is. But first, let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that you need to budget and become a slave to your budget, that you need to plan and account for where every single penny, nickel, and dime comes from and goes in your spending each day. Um, I can't think of anyone I've ever met that relishes the idea of budgeting. Um, and so I'm not suggesting here that, that a, a super detailed, hardcore, disciplined budget is the answer, but I do think that it warrants a little bit of time and attention to figure out exactly what your lifestyle costs. And I could give multiple examples of when I've challenged clients on this that have told me one number um, and I've said, okay, well, I want to, for whatever reason, I'm not sure that how, how accurate the number that you've given me is. So I want you to spend some time and figure out exactly what you're spending. And they often come back to me surprised because they may find that they were spending 20, 30, 40% more per month than they thought they were. And I probably don't have to tell you how important it is to figure this out and come to this realization sooner than later, because it's going to have a big impact on your future financial planning and your retirement lifestyle and your retirement planning. 
So let's say you're with me so far and you agree that, yeah, maybe it does make sense to figure out exactly what I am spending. I think this part paralyzes a lot of people. I think they think about, uh, you know, where do I start or how do I get my arms around this? Or, you know, is this going to take me hours or even days to decipher and get down to what I'm actually spending? And frankly, no, I, I don't think it has to. I, I think it's actually pretty simple and straightforward. The best thing to do is to, first of all, identify all of your spending accounts. And so these are typically checking accounts where you're writing checks or paying bills, um, either writing physical checks or using online bill pay or something like that. Um, so uh, if you have a checking account or multiple checking accounts um, for you or your family, um, those are spending accounts. Others are um, credit card accounts. So if you're doing spending on a credit card, um, those, those count as well. Um, if you have a debit card, typically those are going to be tied to your checking accounts. Um, if you're making ATM withdrawals, typically those are going to be tied to your checking accounts. So, uh, and frankly, if you're paying off your credit card every month, like you should be, or, or I would encourage you to, you're probably paying that off out of your checking account as well. So you may be able to just focus on your checking account. And what I would encourage you to do is go online to your bank and um, download the last 90 days of transactions. Uh, and so basically you want to go to the account activity and you can typically download this as a PDF or into an Excel spreadsheet, but you want to get the last 90 days of transactions out of any of your spending accounts. So if it's just your checking account, that's fine. If you have additional accounts, whether those are checking or credit cards, uh, those are fine as well. But for each of those accounts, I want you to download the last 90 days of transactions. And then um, if you can download those transactions, uh, transaction data into an Excel spreadsheet, this actually becomes pretty quick and easy because you can use some of the Excel functions to basically add up all the transactions and figure out how much you're spending. But whether you're using an Excel spreadsheet or not, that's really the, um, that's really the extent of this exercise is if you're, if over the last 90 days you've spent, uh, let's say $27,000 total, um, that's three, you know, 90 days is three months. If you spent $27,000, that's an average of $9,000 a month. Um, now be sure that you're not double counting because if you're, um, if you're making, uh, if you're making a credit card payment each month out of your checking account, but then you're also counting the actual credit card transactions, you could be double counting. So be, be careful of that. But uh, literally, you could do this in 15 or 20 minutes. Log on to your bank account or accounts, download the information, add up your transactions. Uh, if you do over 90 days, divide by three. That'll give you your average monthly. If you do over six months, um, divide by six. Um, but I would, I would suggest at least getting 90 days worth because any single month can be a bit of a, an, an aberration or it might be a bit of a, a one-off where you have some additional um, irregular spending or something that's impacting a particular month. So um, once you have that information though, um, you know, that's really the, the number we're talking about here. And then let's, to keep numbers simple, let's say you're spending $5,000 a month on average. The next question is, or, or the next number we need, need to identify is how much is your monthly take home pay. So this is not your salary pre-tax. This is after you've had taxes deducted, after you've made 401k or other employer savings plan contributions, what is your take home pay? And let's say it's 
$6,500 a month after tax. So that's the actual paycheck that you get deposited uh, into your checking account or that you receive over the course of a month. So we've gone through the exercise of looking at our 90 days spending. We're averaging spending $5,000 a month. We have after tax income of $6,500 a month. That means we have monthly discretionary income of $1,500. That's just the difference between the 5,000 that we're spending and the $6,500 that we're getting or earning after tax and after savings uh, each month. What does that number tell you? Well, first of all, it tells you that you're spending less than you're earning. Uh, and that's important for a number of reasons, not the least of which uh, is the flexibility uh, and the additional choices that it affords you. Um, beyond the obvious that you're spending less than you're earning, it also means that if you have credit card debt or a car loan or student debt or a mortgage or all the above, you've got some extra income that you can use to maybe start paying off some of those loans quicker than you would otherwise. It also means you have additional funds that you can use to save for um, a child's wedding, uh, a vacation, um, saving up for a new automobile so you don't have to take on another car loan. Um, it just gives you more flexibility and choice. And in the event something happens and you um, get laid off or are disabled for a period of time and you have to cut back, well, you've already become accustomed to living on less than you've been earning. So I'm not saying that a period where your income goes away completely is going to be easier, but are easy, but it'll certainly be easier if you've become accustomed to getting by on a little less than you had been earning previously. Um, that also means that any disability insurance that you may have uh, is probably going to go further and uh, will be less uh, impactful to your lifestyle on an ongoing basis for the period that maybe you're not earning the same amount of money. So I think this number is incredibly, incredibly important, first of all, because it tells you where you are. Um, it amazes me that so many people are introduced to me and say, yes, Russ, I I'm ready to sit down and tackle my retirement planning or my financial planning. Um, and we ultimately get to the question of, well, how much are you spending now? And uh, I can just tell by the look on their face that they really don't know. And, and that's fine. I, I don't expect everyone to know this, but I would encourage everyone that's listening to figure this out sooner than later. And even if you and I never talk, uh, even if you uh, never hire a financial advisor or financial planner, I still think this is important information for you to know. And I would encourage you to make it a priority to get this figured out ASAP. Even if you think you know what you have been spending or what you plan to spend going for, uh, forward, I think that every so often, maybe every couple of years or so, go through this exercise and just check your math. Uh, make sure that you're expectations are in line with reality and make sure that you're actually spending what you think you're spending. Um, and chances are you, uh, you will be, but it, it's certainly worth checking that every, every once in a while because there's something called lifestyle creep. And as your income maybe goes up over time, it's very easy to find your spending creeping up over time as well. So something to be aware of. Also, once you know your monthly discretionary income, or, or what I think of as one of your most important financial uh, numbers, um, you can use it as a, uh, as a progress bar, as a tool to figure out, are you making progress or, or not? Um, 
You can use your discretionary income on a monthly basis to build up a healthy cash reserve. You can use it, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to pay down debt or to um, save for a future goal or uh, something that's important to you. You can use it to help cover gifts at Christmas as opposed to having to go in debt like you've maybe done in the past. So um, it allows you to, think, frankly, to plan ahead and to think ahead and not be in a, a situation where you have to operate on a reactionary basis with your money, um, because that is unfortunately a, an environment that leads to uh, rash decisions and sometimes uh, poor choices. And frankly, just in simple terms, it's really difficult to plan ahead if you don't know where you are today. It's, it's, in, it's important to know where you're starting from uh, and to take inventory of your current situation before you can make substantial progress uh, and, and, you know, plan ahead and, and start building the life that you want for yourself and for, for those that you care about. Living below your means also has some uh, additional, uh, additional benefits. For example, if you're, uh, if you're spending less than you're earning and you've been able to build up a little bit of a cash reserve, that likely means that you can also do some other things to, uh, to introduce some additional flexibility and choice in your life. For example, if you've got a little bit more cash on hand through setting aside a cash reserve and you're living below your means, um, perhaps that will give you the opportunity to increase your deductibles on your auto or your homeowner's insurance. And if you increase your deductibles, that allows you to pay a lower ongoing premium. So that might allow you to actually save money today you, you might have a higher deductible in the event that you have an insurance claim in the future, but hopefully that's a, uh, a, there's low odds of you having an insurance claim. And so maybe you're able to further um, build some flexibility and, and some cushion into your monthly cash flow and savings by lowering your insurance premiums by raising your deductibles. Um, further, rather than going into debt, credit card debt, or financing a car purchase or whatever the case may be, you now have more cash on hand where you can either make a larger down payment on a automobile or even a home. Um, but that also allows you to be a little bit more strategic about your financial decisions. And frankly, if you have more cash on hand and you're living with, with, within your means, that's typically going to be indicative of the fact that you're going to be less reliant on credit and loans and debt, which is likely going to give you an opportunity to improve your credit score. So in the event that you do need to, in the future, go out and get a mortgage or some kind of debt, um, it's likely you're going to be in a better position to get more favorable terms on the basis of having a higher credit score. So there's a lot of ancillary benefits that come into play here, but uh, frankly, it just, in my, in my mind, it just makes life a little easier um, and it gives you more choice. And, and ultimately I find that the people that I work with uh, having more choice and more flexibility is important to them. They don't want to, you don't want to feel like you're painted ever painted into a corner that you have uh, that your backs against the wall and you have a limited set of options or choices, more choice um, in, in my experience usually means more freedom, more independence, less reliance on others, um, and it can even mean that people are less reliant um, on you, uh, and and that and that can be good um, for all involved. So, 
Remember, it's, it's as simple as just downloading or accessing your last 90 days of spending transactions across all of your spending accounts. Uh, again, make sure not to double count. If you're uh, paying your credit card bill out of your checking account, um, you don't necessarily want to also check your uh, each and every one of your um, credit card transactions because you could be double counting. If you have questions on that, reach out to me and let me know. I'm happy to explain further. But it's really as simple as downloading your expenses for 90 days, dividing by three, and that's going to give you your average monthly spending. And then you can look at that compared to your after-tax take-home pay to figure out, are you operating in a surplus or a deficit? If you're in a deficit, I would encourage you to do one of two things. Um, see where you can start reducing expenses, but also simultaneously see what you can do to increase your income. Um, this is not a mutually exclusive. It's not either or. Um, while many people in the financial advice and financial services industry focus just on cutting costs and saving, saving, savings, I think that um, the opportunity to earn more, um, to get a raise or a promotion or maybe a new job that pays more uh, does not get enough attention um, or, or the attention that it should. So think outside the box and don't just focus on cutting expenses, although um, that might be a worthwhile exercise as well, but also consider what can you do to earn more money because um, you can actually go with this from both ends. You can simultaneously cut costs and earn more money and that's just going to accelerate um, your opportunity to get into a surplus situation where you have discretionary cash each and every month. Um, if you do have discretionary cash, um, currently, um, make sure you build up a cash reserve. I would recommend at a minimum three months of expenses. So if you're spending $5,000 a month uh, in average expenses, I would do everything you could to build up $15,000. So three months worth of expenses and put it in a safe, liquid, um, interest-bearing account. Um, there are several um, like online, I, um, I've recommended to my clients like Marcus, um, American Express Personal Savings. Um, there's several out there that are going to pay um, several multiples of the interest that you would get if you just put that into a traditional bank. Um, and the money's liquid and you can get to it at any time. And that money's there um, for those situations when you need it. Um, but you want to try to leave that money alone. And I, I would say three months at a minimum, um, six months is a better target. And if you're in a job or career where you have um, irregular income. So maybe you are in sales and you have a commission job and you don't necessarily earn the same amount of income each and every month. You might even consider carrying more uh, in a cash reserve, uh, like nine or 12 months, um, just to give you a little bit more of a cushion uh, in the event that maybe there's a dry, dry spell between commission checks or something like that. The final thing I'll mention is tools. So while I think the simple, straightforward approach is usually best. There are some great tools out there that can help you not only figure out what you're spending on an average month, but they can also help you track your spending relative to your income. They can actually calculate your monthly discretionary income for you. Um, and um, it, it can actually help you manage and monitor this whole focusing on this important number, uh, make it, making that a little bit easier. And so whether you access them on your smartphone or on the computer. Some tools you might want to consider are mint.com, M-I-N-T.com. Um, this is a tool that I've used for many years, I've recommended to many folks. Um, it's, it's free, 
Um, they make their money by, by basically putting ads uh, in front of you in the software. Uh, it's owned by a company called Intuit, um, who is also the makers of TurboTax. They're a large, um, well-funded company. Uh, and so Mint is a great option. It's free. Um, and you can basically connect all of your accounts, um, spending and otherwise, and it will basically help you organize and track what money's coming in and what money's going out. Another, uh, another great tool, especially if you like spreadsheets, is called Tiller, T-I-L-L-E-R. Uh, the website is tillerhq.com, and they will allow you to also connect your accounts, but they will pull your transaction data into a Google spreadsheet where you can do a lot to customize how you analyze and look at the numbers. But at the end of the day, they're largely doing the same thing. They're just helping to automate the collection and organization of your income and spending transactions. And a third one I'll mention, which I've started using personally uh, in the last several months, I really like it a lot. Uh, it's called uh, You Need a Budget uh, or uh, YNAB for short. So youneedabudget.com. Um, it's an online tool. They also have a smartphone app um, and it helps you to budget. Um, well, I shouldn't say budget. It helps you organize and analyze your spending accounts. Um, so it's really based on helping you simplify the process of gathering, organizing, categorizing, and seeing where your money's coming from, where it's going. It does a nice job of giving you a report where you can quickly and easily see what is your monthly discretionary income. Uh, it also has some other nice charts and features. And they've got a unique philosophy around money and budgeting and how you handle expenses. Whether you subscribe to that philosophy or not, I still think you need a budget is a great tool along with Tiller and Mint. So the bottom line is I think that among all of the numbers and data that are relevant to your financial planning, your retirement planning, um, I think one of the most important, if not the most important is your, what I'm calling your monthly discretionary income, your MDI. Uh, and in plain English, it's just, you know, how much money do you have left over at the end of each month after you've paid all the bills? Um, or, or do you have money left over at the end of the month after you paid all the bills? And I recognize some of you listening to this won't, um, but there's an opportunity there to look at these numbers, be more cognizant of it, to be strategic and to plan, come up with a plan of action to figure out how you can get from a deficit to a surplus or how you can be more thoughtful and strategic with your surplus dollars to help build the life and the financial plan that, uh, that's important to you and that allows you to do the things that you most want to do. So uh, I hope this has been helpful. If you have questions about any of this, certainly reach out and let me know. Um, one other thing I'll mention is if you go to my website, wealthcareforwomen.com, on the right edge of the screen is a button. It's green and it says, ask a question. You're welcome to click that. You can leave uh, actually a voice message for me. Um, I would be happy to answer your questions in future episodes and uh, maybe I'll even feature one of your questions um, on a future episode as well. So uh, if you have questions about anything I've touched on in this or past episodes, or if you have a question that you'd like for me to uh, address in a future episode of Women's Retirement Radio, click that button uh, and uh, leave a voice message and I would uh, be happy to do that. You can also reach out to me via my contact page or via email or whatever is best for you. So uh, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to joining you on the next issue or episode, I should say, of uh, Women's Retirement Radio. Thanks. 
Hey, it's Russ. And uh, real quick, just have some disclosure language to share with you. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor, a certified divorce financial analyst, and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.